Welcome to Sacred Guidance with Stella Muse. Merging sacred sexuality, spirituality, and soul with truth, love, wisdom, and beauty. I'm your host, Elise Carr. Are you ready to come journey with me? Hi, Luminous Souls, and welcome to Sacred Guidance with Stella Muse. I'm your host, Elise Carr, and it is my joy to be here with you. And every time I get to record an episode for this podcast, because this sharing is part of my selfless service in the world, part of a way that I can connect with you, perhaps help you, guide you, and of course, it's always only a snippet of all that I can help you with and guide you with. So as you know, today's topic or other topics, if you are seeking that more personalized combination of Western psychological guidance combined with the Eastern wisdom, I am here for you. And you're welcome to reach out to me at elise at stellamuse.com or peruse stellamuse.com and explore the other ways that we can work together one-on-one wherever you are in the world. Now, today, I want to share with you the life-changing art of detachment. Albert Camus, the French philosopher, author, and journalist, wrote, And never have I felt so deeply at one, and the same time so detached from myself, and so present in the world. So my question to you today is, can we too be at one? detached and present in this world all at the same time as Camus writes. Now, like many before me, I too propose indeed we can. We can know this to be true by lived experience if we are committed to refining the art of detachment. So let's dive into this art of detachment today. The tricky thing is it could kind of be seen as having a bit of a bad rap, Detachment today could seem cold. You might have come across the term emotionally detached as if we've removed ourselves from fully feeling or experiencing life. But that is far from the truth of detachment's pure essence that even Camus eloquently captures in his work. This practice, this art, this way of life is a learned skill that we can all benefit from if we are dedicated and persistent enough to achieve it. To be detached from a chitter-chatter thoughts that cycle on repeat in our minds, to be detached from the highs and lows of emotions and those shape-shifting moods that all too easily dictate our daily experience of life, relationships and love, and how we sense the world. To be detached from our equally repetitious habits Behaviours that no longer serve and patterns that we become so ferociously set in to the point of our own detriment. Because as humans, we are creatures of habit. We are creatures of comfort who seek pleasure over pain, familiar over unfamiliar or uncharted. We have been heavily programmed in modern times to seek the fast, cheap and easy route in life, be that in fad diets, fitness and health regimes, to fixing our relationship problems in three simple steps today. And those relationships are not only with our beloved or family or colleagues, but also with ourselves, right? 
But it could be argued that if we instead turn within and seek to learn the art of detachment from such thoughts, emotions and behaviours that limit us and keep us repeating the same cycles while our bodies age and weary, we may well reach the point, the high point, which many faiths and philosophies speak of, a point of lived wisdom where we cease to create suffering for ourselves and others, where we finally stop sabotaging our own lives because we no longer attach ourselves to that which does not matter, which does not need to impact or influence our daily joy, our relationships, the way we show up or serve in this world, let alone our connection with ourself. Just so you know, if you haven't figured it out already, my friend, I use myself as a laboratory as well. I am here as a humble student, even if some might call me a teacher or a guide or a practitioner in whatever form that is. So I've devoted many years to certain practices and and this specific, specific, specific approach of the art of attachment, I've devoted many months to now to put this theory to the test and test indeed has been to truly witness my own gripping to ideals, which is very hard if you have a high ideal, some of you may realise, but also wants, instead of releasing any such grip, changing what I can and accepting the rest. I've asked, am I capable of detaching myself emotionally from any event? The magnitude of that question is mighty. From any event. Maybe that could be the mundane of missing the train or locking yourself out of home or saying something you regret or feeling hurt by others' words or actions. Maybe it's the death of a loved one or the current state of unrest in the world. The list can be infinite. I saw this as an experiment, a scientific yet simultaneously spiritual study within myself. The human personality nature with its thoughts, feelings and behaviours, and my higher nature. I call that my soul, as you probably heard me say before. That part witnessing the effects on my life. And further I asked, can practising detachment make me more useful in the world, better at how I serve the individuals and couples who come to me to navigate their challenges and crisis and change or explore their curiosities? How would it help me help them and thus, maybe right now, help you? Ultimately, I questioned, can I hold my mind steady in the light, as we say esoterically, and see this life truly and free of any blinding attachments. Now, the investigative journalist and ever-studious psychological spiritual practitioner in me started then to trace back this art of detachment. So if you're ready, let's go on a bit of a journey together and find out more. Because psychologically, detachment has been described as a state in which a person overcomes their attachment to the desire of things, people, or concepts of the world, and thus attain a heightened or higher conscious perspective. Detachment is also referred to as non-attachment, which the Buddhist way of life speaks of. But it is not only Buddhism which embraces this knowledge and practices this wisdom, 
It's also well noted in the Baha'i faith of Persia, Christianity, Hinduism, Jainism, the Kabbalah, or Kabbalah, however you choose to pronounce it, and Taoism, or Taoism. Attachment, as it is translated and mentioned in the Buddhist and Hindu texts, is an inability to embrace and embody detachment. Attachment to anything or anyone is seen as the great obstacle separating us from a fulfilled life. The personal ambition and desire nature that fuels our attachment and creates endless worries and fears, etc., is what keeps us separated from non-attachment and thus the fulfilment of a detached life. Being attached to how you should be, what you should do, how and when you should do it, what your beloved should do, how they should be, what your life should look like, how you should feel each day, what you need to buy to make it feel that way, all these attachments to thoughts and feelings and others and stuff, I'm sure you could write an epic list of all you are actively attached to right now if you are asked to. Don't worry, this isn't prescribed homework or joy work as I call it. But hey, if it calls to you, why not see? Maybe just get a post-it. Maybe just get a page out of your notebook. Maybe just type something out, a few notes in your phone. to start to even conceptualise how much you're attached to stuff and people and things and thoughts and all the above. It's a pretty epic list. Now, the Buddhist texts in Pali mention the word nekama, which can be translated to renunciation. It refers to the renouncement or the giving up of the world to lead a holy life. Now, you might not relate to the word holy. That's totally cool. We could also say a life of freedom from lower nature desires, lust, and wants. One of the most famous yogis and spiritual poets, Milarepa, whose writings are often called the Songs of Milarepa, which are also regarded as part of the Mahayana Buddhist canon, for those of you who are interested. Actually, this emphasizes the temporary nature of our physical bodies and the need for non-attachment to them. That's what these writings are about. They were emphasizing the temporary nature of our physical bodies and the need for non-attachment to them. So we could ask ourselves here, why then do we put so much attachment onto that which isn't everlasting? We focus more on our physical body, maybe it's its size, its shape, its appearance, maybe it's its color, sexual preference or gender, however you see it. We put so much emphasis on that, more emphasis on that, than we do on our ability to transcend all this, rise above all this, and instead give and receive love. Why is that? Why are we so caught up in, let's say, for this instance, our meat suit, which isn't going to last, which is actually designed to decompose and rot and leave this earth? It's not eternal. Why is it worth so much of our time and effort and energy and create thus so much pain and hurt and upset for us? If we look 
Now, at the Zen Buddhist philosophy, a technical Chinese term for detachment is Wu Nian. Please excuse me if that pronunciation isn't the same as yours. Translated, it means no thought. Now, this does not mean we empty our minds and have no thought and become controlled instead by our feelings or be like puppets, controlled at whim by the thoughts of others, etc. It instead means that we are not attached to thought. There is no stain of thought in the mind that we can fix on and cling to. This Zen-style separation from thought keeps those who practice being detached from their thoughts unharmed, both mentally and emotionally by them. Now imagine never being harmed by thoughts. That includes not being offended or feeling judged. You don't feel criticised ever. Or maybe it's never been the one who offends, judges or criticises. For embracing this philosophy would have us rise above that. Perhaps we could all apply some Zen wisdom today, if nothing else. Let's now turn to the Christian spirituality. They place the emphasis on interior freedom, where one is to strive to be free from personal preferences and superfluous attachments. Saint Ignatius of Loyola counselled radical detachment and said that we should not fix our desires on health or sickness, wealth or poverty, success or failure, a long life or a short one. Instead, in this way of thinking, it was embracing one's freedom to choose to follow God. It also hints at what we could call the middle way in Buddhism or the razor-edge path of the esoteric, neither swinging like a pendulum to one extreme or the other, but instead finding our centre, our luminous anchor point of eternal unwavering light, our soul. What in Christianity could be symbolised by the very middle of the cross? Or we could say finding our inner peace, our connection to what is real, true and eternal, thus our real sense of freedom from all that is not real, true or eternal. For some, this is a connection to following God or love, source or spirit, however you name it. If we now turn to the Hindu faith, we can see that this perspective of nature, of existence, is about seeking to be in the moment, taking responsibility for one's actions but not worrying about past or future. The focus here of detachment is in detaching from the result of one's actions as opposed to detaching from all of life. This way is noted in the Puranic and Vedic texts. You do all you can do, then you step back and let go, knowing that what is meant to be will be, knowing love they will be done, knowing God's will, not thine, however you choose to term it. It is an understanding and a knowing that we here, having this human experience, know but little compared to the all-knowing, all-seeing in which we live and move and have our being. In Jainism, detachment is one of the supreme ideals, coupled with non-violence, non-attachment, also called non-possession for the record, 
is one of the five great vows called Mahavratas. And these are taken and observed by Jain monks on their path to moksha or liberation from the cycle of birth and death, this cycle which they refer to as maya. Ultimately, this way teaches that for us to evolve and grow as a humanity, we must practice both non-violence, which I've spoken of on many occasions now. So those of you who have followed the podcast would know that I explain non-violence isn't just about physical violence and refraining from that, but it's also about how we feel and think too. We have to be harmless and therefore non-violent in all we do think and feel. So it's a practice of both non-violence and non-attachment. If you truly want to work on yourself, on your relationship, on your life, you're going to have to look at what you are attached to in every way and slowly, bit by bit, release the grip upon it all. Easier said than done, I know. (laughs) I'm not trying to sell this as a three-step quick and easy kind of experience here. Of course not. But as the famous quote goes, the journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. The great mind who said that also wrote the Taoism's famous text, the Tao Te Ching, and that's Lao Tzu. Now, in chapter 44 of the Tao Teaching, it states, Fame or self? Which matters more? Self or wealth? Which is more precious? Gain or loss? Which is more painful? He who is attached to things will suffer much. He who saves will suffer heavy loss. A contented man is rarely disappointed. He who knows when to stop does not find himself in trouble. He will stay forever safe. Now contented, as in the middle way, neither up nor down, neither one extreme or the other, contented means composed, poised, present, aware, detached, we could translate it to be. From unattaching to alchemizing or transmuting that which is attached to something of higher purpose, the art of detachment has been a way which is aspired to and embodied globally by many faiths, philosophies, schools of thought and ageless esoteric wisdom through all time. Today, you can find the sacred way modernized into learning codependence and detachment or practicing detachment in marriage, how to detach from your thoughts the art of loving detachment, and even detachment psychology. While nothing is new here, simply repackage for the curious modern Western student. We do not need to be devotees of any religion or faith, neither be monks or nuns in monasteries or yogis in caves, to reach the essence of detachment and know it to be true for ourselves. The path of detachment is one of continual peeling back like the layer upon the layer of the onion. When one can detach from something, it is easier to detach from something else, just like taking that first step, right, that Lao Tzu wrote about. But then there are those situations, experiences, moments that test us, the students and the disciples, us here, most. At this point, 
firm but loving comes to mind. Like compassionately saying no to a child who wants what they want, but does not benefit from having it, nor do they need it. Not that they, with their limited awareness in their tiny little body and form at this point, know it, that instead they can have something greater, better, and thus far more suited to their ultimate needs. In seeing the lower personality nature like a child, the Buddhist values or practices we could say of compassion, loving kindness, non-judgment and humility can come into play with the art of detachment. We can turn this into a learning, a growing, even a training or a schooling, if you will, of that personality self, that child within us, understanding the why of detachment best it can and thus trigger less pain within us. Letting go has for too long been associated with endings and death and suffering and pain when, as we know, it is simply part of the cycle of all that is. Both the art of detachment and the art of letting go is therefore simply part of this cycle too. It is in letting go of what no longer serves, in the toy of childhood, in the habitual reactions to what your lover is doing or not doing, in the repeating of outdated habits, be that eating too much, that third piece of cake, in smoking your 10th cigarette today when you've been trying to cut back, in buying more stuff you don't need, or in aimlessly scrolling social media, wasting time when you could be using that energy into creating something amazing. That something dies, ends, and detaches if we work on it, allowing something new to take its place. Now, this can be a tiny shift, a tiny change, and thus a tiny turn upon the spiral of life, moving you, me, us, we, forward. But, yeah, there's a but. There's a fight at first. That internal battle between your higher and lower nature, our higher and lower natures, we've all got this whole battle going on between us. It's the battle between our divinity and our humanity, the divine and the human, of our soul and our personality. Now, when I speak of the personality nature, I'm saying this from the esoteric psychological perspective, that being those behaviours, those emotions and those thoughts, those three components or those three bodies combined are your personality because it's not who you are. It's just often how you express yourself or get stuck. Your soul, the divine part, that highest part of you, we want to win the battle. But this battle seems like the longest, as we know. When we think we've won, we're challenged again. And slowly, it is as if the personality is beaten into submission if we're consistent, if we keep showing up, if we keep challenging ourselves, if we keep picking ourselves up even when it's freaking hard. Now, talking about battle here within ourselves, it might conjure up violent thoughts, you know, to word it in such a way. But the battle one wrestles with at times can feel violent. It can feel harsh or painful or hurtful or, you know, that we're lost in this darkness, especially when it's your emotions or your emotional body, because they've been ruling you for so long, my friend. We've all been there. It's like the taming of a beast, really, to try and actually not let your emotions take over, but instead you control them. But don't get me wrong, I'm not talking about suppressing emotions. I'm talking about not letting them control you, that you are detached from their ability or impact or influence over controlling you. 
Now, this at first feels as though we need perhaps brute force to separate this, to kind of kill off, to let that lower part of us be peeled away. But we might actually be able to realise that maybe a softening or a gentle approach, perhaps being kinder and more compassionate with ourselves upon this journey can also assist. While the emotions are part, though, the wild thoughts are another. Like I touched on with that personality nature, right? Use your behaviour, your physical, your emotions and feelings and your mind with the thoughts. So this is a whole other component we've got to deal with. So when it comes to the mind and the thoughts, how much do we detach from to not become cold, but to instead find that middle way? To neither be aloof and unapproachable, but be unshaken, unwavering and still warm and loving and kind and harmonised, standing at the centre of all love. Now, for those of you who are perhaps more inclined to use or rely on the mind over the heart, such as first-ray minds or the analytical or even gifted and genius amongst us, for example, this is just as challenging. For detachment in some ways can be easy. All too easy to remove yourself and take an almost Eastern approach, we'd call it, extrapolating from humanity, kind of like going off to be on your mountaintop, dwelling up there, working up there, high, high, far away, far removed from the place of needed service, the place of helping people and connecting with humanity, the people, the rest of the world, in perhaps the muddy village below. It is in learning that that too is not the answer, that the detachment from dwelling too often in divine or spirit or complete removal does not enable the full breadth and impact of service to humanity to be provided. There is thus to be a harmony in how one detaches. Extremes of one end to the other, like the pendulum, do not serve. We could say the art of detachment is part of initially striving and committing to walk the esoteric razor edge path, or to finding the Buddhists' middle way, as they term it. We must detach from that which is our path of least resistance, however that looks. What's a path of least resistance, you might be asking? Well, that's your default reaction. When things go crazy, what do you automatically do? Say, how do you react? So if that's self-pity or the familiar comfort of self-isolation, be it a flaring temper that comes up for you or perhaps a lack of boundaries of your time, everyone has a path of least resistance of how they react, of how their emotions take over, of the thoughts that come into their mind when they are triggered. So pause here and think, what is my path of least resistance? What is your path of least resistance? What default reaction do you automatically jump to in times of challenge or change or crisis? What habit can't you kick? Now, when I say you can't kick in this moment, maybe you've tried, maybe you're working on it, maybe You've just swept it to the side. Be broad with this. What kind of habit it is is up to you. But what's one habit that right now you can't kick? What thoughts come up when you're triggered? When someone hurts you or says something cruel or maybe you read something that you find offensive? What kind of thoughts straight up come into your mind in times like that? And what behaviour and emotions take over when you feel judged 
or you feel shame, or you feel guilt, or anger, or sadness or hurt, what behaviour and emotions take over you? These are all parts of your path of least resistance. Now we each have our way to tread as we make our way to the one destination we seek. We each will come across the days when it's easier. Oh, and days when it's the greatest challenge ever. Don't even get me out of bed today. Close the door, leave me alone. But detach we must if we are to truly alchemize our personality metal, those lower nature desires, wants, lusts, all that stuff, and alchemize into luminous gold and serve with all we are Serve this needing world with all we are. However your service looks, whatever you do, that's amazing in the world. So I invite you to question now and meditate and contemplate on those questions I just posed, but also these that I'm going to give you now. And let's start with, if you reviewed your day today, what part of it was detached? Were you able to detach from an event, from your emotional reaction, from the judgment mind? Or what about were you able to detach from a repeat behaviour? And then I'm asking you to ask yourself, did you at any point think, speak or act from a detached viewpoint? Now this witnessing and this taking action from a higher, more conscious, loving place is part of what is called redeeming oneself, where you are the redeemer of your lower personality nature, that being of your physical, emotional and mental selves, those three components that make up your personality that I talked about. Now these three parts that make up your personality, which is easiest to redeem? And which of the three is the hardest to redeem? Maybe you find it really easy to redeem your behavior. You can say no to certain things or you won't like throw a chair when you're angry or whatever it is. But maybe the emotions, how you're feeling inside and that rah that builds up, all that deep sadness, all that guilt, that's the hardest. Or maybe it's the thoughts controlling the judgment or the criticism of self or other in the mind. Maybe that for you is the most challenging. And now if nothing else, what if I asked you to ask yourself, what are you most attached to right now? Right now, in this very moment, if you just did a little second of self-inquiry and just checked in with yourself, you can even pause it for a moment right here and just do this. What are you most attached to right now? And then I wrap that up with, how can you better deal with that? How can you better deal with that? What can you shift or change? Can you begin to peel that attachment away and loosen the grip somehow? And what is one thing, aspect, person, that you can detach from? Be that mentally, emotionally, physically, so that you are no longer hurt, impacted or affected, but can instead stand in the middle, harmonised, 
calm, poised, loving, non-judgmental, compassionate and kind. So you can stand attached and by not letting anyone or anything sway you, shake or break you, you can let that light and love ripple from you to them and out to the world. Because if your true nature is love, I say it like that because it's got a capital L, the selflessness in nature, as pure love is, right? This pursuit, like any higher pursuit of bettering yourself, is not ultimately for you alone, but for all those you can lift along your way. The freedom that comes with your detachment from all that is not real or worthy, lasting, beautiful or true, can likewise be freedom for others too. You can look at this as leading by example. You can look at this as perhaps holding a candle flame within your heart and lighting someone else's who seems to be in real darkness right now. What a gift this can be to this needy world or needing world, if you want to call it that, that we're living in today. Amid all the chaos, the challenge and change that it is going through, you, as a student of the art of detachment, as the scientist, as the experimenter, however you want to call it, you can carry that light in the darkness and help bring the dawn of new light upon the day. So I leave you with one little concept to sit with if you choose to accept the challenge. Your starting point today is simply to take one attachment that you have right now that you know does not serve you, that is causing you hurt, pain or harm in some way and begin the art of detachment from it. As you come to sense, feel, know the liberation that it brings, it will fuel you to continue to take the next attachment and the next, slowly peeling them back and casting them off and into the fire, making way for your freedom, that lightening of the heavy burden you've been carrying and the consequent freedom of others. We're here to help each other. One hand down to lift someone else up and one hand extended to be lifted ourselves. That's why I'm here. I'm pretty certain it's why you're here too. We just might do it in different ways. But if you do explore this concept of the art of attachment and therefore the art of detachment, I know it can bring more light and liberation, truth and joy and beauty and essentially Yeah, real knowing wisdom, real shift, real change, a real practical shift and change into your world. And I sincerely trust you experience that. I want that for you. If this episode has spoken to you today, please don't forget to take a moment to subscribe if you haven't already so we can keep in touch and rate and review on whatever podcast platform you listen to. That would be amazing. And if I can support, guide, help you assist your unique journey in any way if you're moving through some kind of challenge or change or chaos as an individual or in your relationship then reach out to me here at elise at wherever you are in the world
Now, until next time, I ask you to take wonderful care of yourselves and each other. Be wild. Go explore a bit of the detachment we talked about today. Find that one part of your life right now that isn't serving, that's hurting you, that's keeping you back from being who you want to be, how you want to be in the world, how you want to be in your relationships, how you want to connect and express and create in this world. You've got so much opportunity all around you. Creating some oh lightness of being will help you see that. Go forward, Luminous One. And I look forward to connecting with you real soon, right here on Sacred Guidance with Stella Muse. Mwah.